Alrighty, welcome back to the You Can Too podcast. On today's episode, we have Chris Smith on the show. Chris Smith is a best-selling author. He previously worked for two billionaires. He worked uh, with a billion-dollar publicly traded company. He uh, worked for a startup that exited at nine figures. He's I can go on and on about Chris's accolades, to be completely honest with you. But I want to know, for my audience that doesn't know who you are, can you give us a brief overview of who Chris Smith is? Yeah, it's so funny because I have, like, really good accolades and a really boring name. You know, every time people introduce me, I'm like... I always focus on the, like a lot of people, the bad part, which is Chris Smith, you know, but I, I'm from a small place. I grew up in Florida, you know, like every kid wanted to be an athlete, wanted to be an actor, you know, dr- sort of dreamed big and was foolish enough to think I had a chance at those things. And, um, just ended up sort of falling in love ultimately with sales and marketing, uh, mm-hmm. in that order. I, was in the boiler room. You know, if you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, that's me. You know, if you've seen uh, Boiler Room or Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is a great film uh, for some of the younger people listening or watching. They probably have never heard of that movie. It's amazing. And that's that was where I worked. Like, you know, it was hardcore sales pressure, sales skills, sales scripts, you know, and... what you learn in that world is really powerful. It's just that the, I think the natural, you know, connotation when you say something like the boiler room, or if you say something like the Wolf of Wall Street is, you know, penny stocks and fraud and, you know, ripping people off and sleazy, you know, these are the words that come to mind in my profession, which sucks, but you know, that's sort of uh, where I came from. And, I would say the quickest way to explain what I've done ever since then is use what I learned in those boiler rooms to build businesses the right way, to build businesses that have great products, great service, that do care about their customers. You know, you could use your powers for good or evil. You know, I was taught by evil people, but I'm using my powers for good. Yeah, you you absolutely are. And I love the way uh, the book and I was listening to the book thinkers um, episode on this exactly. And, and, and they mm-hmm. were so correct on it when you they spoke about how actionable this book is. Unlike mm-hmm. most books, uh, it's you can get a lot of inspiration from books, but not much actionable tips. And, and, and there's so much that we can take from this book. But I do like what you said there was, I know when you started out in the boiler room, it was I like the analogy that you used when you said that rather than if someone can teach you how to pick a lock, right? You can either go steal from people or you can be the best magician in the world. And and mm-hmm. that ideology was like, you can take what your circumstances gave you in two different aspects and you went an amazing route down that way. And now you're helping thousands and thousands of people along that journey. I'm curious what, because I know that basketball and acting were a big part of you growing up and you didn't, mm-hmm. you had the passion for both, but you say you didn't have the talent for both. Um, and then when it came to school, you had the the passion for business as well, but you didn't have the focus. I'm curious what made you believe that you could succeed in entrepreneurship to begin with and why you even started. Yeah, it's a, it's a very fair question to ask. I think, you know, one of the things that happens as you grow up and get older is that you just, you just sort of give up on the fact that Santa Claus is real. <laughs> You know, and, and, and you sort of, uh, you know, the, the Toys R Us song, you know, that you don't want to grow up and 
the Peter Pan, never grow up, like all that just goes away. And and you go through tragedies and challenges and, and life throws things at everybody that are so hard that it you just sort of slowly, I think, lose your belief that that outcome is an option. Yeah. And so the I, I think the difference is just would just be you have to make that the only option. Because if, if, if that is the thing, whatever that thing is, you know, starting a business, writing a book, being on television, you know, being a professional athlete, whatever that thing is, it, when you make the choice that that's the thing and now what you're doing is working on it, not talking about it, it's very different, right? And so I think I have always been allowed talking confident borderline cocky dude mm. and so one of the things gary v says that i love he says that your ambition has to be directly in line with your shit talking and the amount of stuff that you actually are putting in and so i just i've just sort of always had this grandiose thought that i was going to do something special with my life and i always said it out loud i told everybody mm. And so like a lot of what I feel like has driven me, even if it's subconsciously is I just don't want to look like an idiot to all my friends from high school and college. Like I, I, I told them I was going to be famous. I told them I was going to be an actor. So, you know, like, and so the, but the, but if you strip it back, what I realized was that my goal was to help as many people as possible because I was a good guy. And I, I would watch actors get interviewed and I would watch, you know, entertainers get interviewed. And, and I would think that, man, I could have brought more value to the audience than they did during that segment. Like yeah. they're, they're actually not even that interesting. Like this is boring. Like I feel bad for the people watching. I'm more interesting than Brad Pitt, whoever it was. <laughs> like it didn't matter. Sure. You know, I'm watching Leno, I'm watching Conan, you know, these shows that, you probably never even heard of, you know, the, the, you know, these shows are, you know, three famous people per night, usually two actors and a musician. And it was the only channels we had, you know, so at 11 o'clock or midnight or 1230, whatever time these things came on, you know, I would, I felt like I was really transported away from my little Polk County home, you know, in my Lakeland, Florida, small place, orange groves, cow pastures and chicken farms. And, but I'll tell you what, one of the things that I have to always give credit as far as why did I think it was possible, and I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Let me make that very clear. But one of my best friends growing up, he was on the basketball team with me. He was a you know five-star athlete, every sport, you know, letterman jacket. And he got recruited by UCLA, by FSU, by Miami, Florida. And, it, you know, we're out here in Polk County at Kathleen High School, where still today 60% of the kids are on free lunch. Like, it's a, it's a poor high school. And all, but these guys are flying in to come watch my buddy run or catch or right do drills or play the game on Friday night. And then I had another friend, another teammate. His name's Alvin Jones. He was seven feet tall in ninth grade. Like he, he was six eleven 
in ninth grade. He, his dad was in the NBA. His dad was a Harlem Globetrotter. And he was my high school teammate. And his dad thought that him playing in kind of a 5A Florida, you know, physical environment versus kind of a cushy school was the right was the right place for him to be. So I've got a NFL, a future NFL player at shooting guard. I've got a future NBA guy at center. And then I've yeah. got a coach who's on the globe trotters, right? So I'm just looking at all this stuff and it's just like I want to be like that too. You know, I don't want to have because I'm freaking slow and white and short, not like be able to get in on some of this cool stuff, you know? And right. so I, that's where, you know, it shifted to acting because that felt more like, okay, well, that could be my thing. And mm -hmm. you said this earlier, you said, I, I didn't have the talent to make it in those things. The interesting thing I thought of when, when you said that was I did have the talent. I didn't have yeah. enough talent. I didn't, I, I was on the team. <laughs> like I had to make the team. I was good enough to be on the team. I was on a state championship team with professional players, you know, the end up being professional athletes, but yeah, I never got in. I, I was the 12th man. Right. And yeah. so anyway, I just, you know, acting, it was the same thing. I went to some acting classes. I got my headshots done. I mailed them out. I went to some auditions. I was an extra. I was on Buffy. I was on Drew Carey show. I, I did a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah. And it was the same thing. When I, when I saw the skill of the athletes and actors that were making it. Mm -hmm. And then I looked in the mirror, I'm just self-aware. I don't want to be an idiot that is like, as much as I want to accomplish something crazy, I don't want to be working on something unaccomplishable. Right. Right. So, so I just sort of maybe moved on faster than most people would have, you know, mm -hmm. you know, maybe like, cause I didn't even finish high school. I quit basketball in 11th grade. I didn't even finish my senior year. I knew like, I, I'm done. I'm out. It's not me. I went to work at Foot Locker. I went to work because that was what I knew I needed to do was work. And then same thing with Hollywood. I got out there. I saw the scene. I did my thing. I, you know, observed and, and kind of dove into the culture head first. I realized within one month, oh my God, I got five years minimum to be as good at acting as these people that I was in the class with. I'm like, yeah. I am, I don't even know anything about acting. I'm screwed. And I didn't want to put the five years in. So I switched to entrepreneurship and business, you know, and that is the one that I finally kind of settled on. You know, that's the one that became my thing. And that became my sport, you know, that became my movie. Right. And there's a lot of parallels, you know, to the score. What's the score in business money, <laughs> right? What's the score in marketing followers? You, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a lot of overlap, I would say, in the sort of competition of sports, entertainment, and business. And ironically, now all of these athletes want to be business people. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm 43 and I'm a young business guy. And my buddies are 43. And do you think they're still playing? No way. You're not playing at 43 unless you're Tom Brady, literally one dude figured out how to play at 43. So yeah, man, it's, it's amazing how the journey unfolds. And I would just say the lesson I hope people can take from that is, you know, shoot your shot, like yeah. go big, but then go home if it's not working and you, you have to be self-aware. And that's why you hear Gary say that so much too.
I'm a Gary is one of the most influential people in my life by far. When I think mm-hmm. of like people that I want to emulate off of, whether it's their characteristics or the life mm-hmm. that they're living, I think of I definitely think of Gary V in that in that realm because he thinks of empathy, he thinks of kindness, like all of the mm-hmm. traits that I genuinely hold. And I really want to mm-hmm. I want to take a step back for what you said there because we resonate in a lot of things based on what you just said right there. I played baseball growing up since I was three, four years old. Uh, had six stitches, three pins in my wrist. I tore my labrum. 11th grade year comes around and I decide, I, I was thinking the whole way through, I'm going to the MLB. That's the only, why I, wh- I'm not going to shoot any lower than that, right? 11th grade year comes around and I decide this doesn't, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Just accepting the fact and then realizing I need to take a pivot. And I've seen all of my friends from high school go to college to play baseball. And then mm-hmm. this year comes around and they're done. And so yeah. I realized I went to go to, I went to go work too. I went to Dick Sporting Goods and I was in the shoe department and, and that's exactly what Beautiful. I did too. I went to, yes. I went to go, I went to go work. And then a little bit later into that, I'm into entrepreneurship and it was like the mm-hmm. best decision that I ever made in my life. And that was something that was really, really, I really wanted to resonate on that with you. There was something that your father said to you growing up and that, and I think that I resonate with this as well Is growing up, your dad said, if you could get paid to talk, you'd get paid a lot. And I'm curious if you took that into account when you were young, if you really believed in your ability to create that in your future. Financial wealth. Yeah, I did because I just, with, with the things that I was confident I was going to accomplish, part of what came with those things was a lot of money and cars and girls and right. And, you know, Tupac was my biggest hero, role model, influence growing up. And, uh, you know, it was, it was California love, you know, it was, it was fun, you know, it was toss it up, you know, let's get rich and then we can kick it, you know, it was thug mansion. Like, I I mean, it, it, it it was about making money. And and if you listen to hip hop, it's still a a huge part of the culture is, you know, you can, I, I literally think that you could learn more about running a business from Jay-Z's lyrics than most books. I'm not yeah. kidding. But <clears throat> Tupac and, and sort of observing that culture, um, man, it, 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 it's amazing how things happen where you're, you're, you're witnessing it and you're watching it and you're going through it. And it, I don't know why I thought I was going to be on MTV Cribs and have a mansion too, you know, but, but, but I did like, and what's so funny is I have proof. I don't have it right in front of me, but in my senior yearbook, you know, you have to write like what you're going to do with your life. And they asked everybody and they put it, you know, they put it in the senior yearbook and mine said, I'm going to graduate from Florida state. And I'm going to become a self-made millionaire. And, you know, knock on wood, baby, right? You know, <laughs> right. check, check, right? And and it's, a, it's funny because my best friend's mom sent me the picture of that years later. I didn't even remember writing it, you know? And, but I had always, I always loved the hustle. So I loved basketball. You know, I love the entertainment industry. There, there was a point where as, as much as I know about marketing and sales now, I knew about 
actors and in, in sort of Hollywood and in, in that industry. Um, mm. you know, and so, yeah, I, I always wanted to make a lot of money, but I will say I'm, I'm oddly not materialistic. I don't count my money, micromanage my money. I, I don't like, I have a Ford Bronco, you know, like I, I don't live in a huge mansion. I mean, I have a nice house, but you know what I mean? It's Orlando stuff's cheap here. So yeah, I, I think it's a good spot to be. And I think when you, when you talked about Gary, it's similar where, it, you know, he, his saying that I love the most over the years is that legacy is greater than currency. And for me, that's just true. Like if you told me right now that there's a million dollars on my front porch or there's a million engaged YouTube subscribers, I would take that in a second, Absolutely. one second. And not because I could turn it into more than a million dollars. I could, but that's not why I would do it. I would do it because that's what I'm in the game for is gratitude and scale. And, you know, I want to leave a legacy worth leaving and to do that, you know, I need to be known by a lot of people. The other thing I think that people should think a little bit about when they're figuring out kind of their thing, you know, what you can too, right? Yeah. I think that people need to really think about kind of like, um, well, I always give myself the long-term test to see if, I, if I'm going to still want to be doing it uh, yeah. down the road. But, um, well, I, you know what? I'm going to be honest, James. I totally forgot where I was heading with that. I had a good point to make and I lost it. But um, the the for me, you know, the scoreboard is financial and followers and growth. And I teach business and sales. I teach marketing. Yeah. That's my passion. So by nature, I have to think about the cash register. Absolutely. You know, and so I never even thought about social media or any of this stuff as something that wouldn't work. Like, what are you talking about? Marketing doesn't work. No, marketing works. It's just hard to know exactly how or mm -hmm. when or why or which one, right? Like attribution is incredibly difficult. But if you were to do an A-B test and say, you know, I'm going to work with this real estate agent. And we're going to spend a couple thousand dollars a month on marketing and getting their brand out there. And I'm going to work with this one and we're not going to spend any money. Yeah. Is there anyone that has, you know, any type of common sense that would say, oh, the one that doesn't market or advertise himself will be more known? You know, that's just not how the world works. So the idea for me would be, you know, if your expertise is not so tied to the transaction, let's call it. Yeah. Let's say you love HR, you know, let's say you love data science, <laughs> you know, let's say you love uh, operations. I, I mean, listen, I work with some talented people. I, I employ some really smart people. I, one of my favorite employees is like an information officer. Like he literally looks at data, figures out how to use it to make our clients, you know, marketing tools better. Like that's his whole job. He freaking loves it, man. We hired this guy from TripAdvisor that does Google pay-per-click. Yeah. He geeks out about it. He The way I talk about my stuff, he talks about his stuff. 
So <clears throat> I would just say if you have a few different things that you're thinking about, and back to your question, money's important, choose the one that's a more direct path to, to a financial upside. You know, you can do the Smurf stuff. You can do the ALF. You can do the stickers, right? You can do the blog about your favorite foods. And that shit's fun. And you might build a following and be able to build a little bit of a business off of it. But if you help people make more money or mm -hmm. get more customers, you know, or, uh, by the way, reduce their costs, right? If I told you, hey, I can sit down with you in two hours and save you at least 1500 bucks a month, yeah. you would take that meeting. So that's all I'm saying is, you know, even accounting, right, can kind of be sexy because if it's if it's tied to financial gain, there's a bigger upside. So think about athletes and back to your baseball stuff. Mm -hmm. You can be like I, I guarantee there's a lot of retired players that make a lot of money with hitting clinics. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, that that skill sort of transcends beyond, you know, the obvious skill out of the gates. And so even something like training, right? If I'm a retired baseball player, say, well, how does teaching a kid how to hit, mm -hmm. how does that make more money? Well, that kid is you five years ago who still thinks he is going to go pro. And when you go pro, you make a shitload of money. So investing in a hitting coach is directly connected to the cash register. You see what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. but you might have to connect those dots for people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love the way that your mind thinks like you can definitely tell that you're successful in so many aspects of your life. And you, 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 as, as you say, like you definitely are making a substantial amount of income from what you got, what you're doing, but it's because you're also having a massive impact on so many people. And I remember something that stuck with me um, early on when I hired my first coach was my, my coach told me that the best thing that you can do is get rich. And it was, it was internalizing that fact, not because the monetary gain, but more so that, so I can scale that and then help more people in the process. And like mm -hmm. you said, it's not looking for uh, the outcome, but more so the, the process of, of doing it. And I mean, you wouldn't be continuously going on and continually going because like you've, you've surpassed so many people's goals. Right. And like you said, you're not nowhere near close where you want to go. So I'm curious what your North star is. Where are you trying to get to, or is it just a journey? Well, everyone's North star, I feel like should be, you know, independence and financial freedom at the, really? at the level of your bills are covered yeah. without you having to clock in and clock out for someone else. And I'm, and that can come through a lot of different ways. Yeah. A lot of people invest in real estate, you know, a lot of people start a side hustle. You know, the, a lot of people start day trading, flipping NFTs, going to garage sales. There's a like, you know, there's a lot of ways. And I'm jealous, man. When yeah. I was 19, we didn't have any of this. And I'm so and, grateful. You know what I mean? like, dude, I was telling somebody the other day, like, you guys have like Uber and Lyft and Instacart. Like, let me tell you, man, I would, I love working. So like, this yeah. whole gig economy and Upwork, dude, let me tell you what I would have did. I'm going to tell you right now what 15-year-old Chris would have did with Upwork. 
because yeah. this is an easy one to do. You find the most talented people that charge $50 an hour, and then you go hire people that make $100 an hour, right? And you get the work done, and you just you just flip it. Like, you lit, I literally could go find someone to do $50 an hour work that I could then go sell to someone for $150 an hour work. Easy. That is an easy hustle because Upwork and these freelancer sites like Fiverr and Freelancer, they're so huge and there's so many people on them, but they're good. They get leads, they get gigs. It's real. I mean, it, it, it you know, their messaging is dead on. Like the world is your workforce. I love it. But man, it, it, I was telling my son, I, I, I think it was, uh, I can't even remember. I don't, I don't want to miscredit him. His name might be Bradley, like Bradley. Yeah. And he says some stuff that's harsh. That's, you know, for me, stuff I wouldn't probably say, but he, yeah. he was talking about, and it might not have been him. It might've been this other guy, but he was talking about that, you know, all you have to do to scale up is, you know, get a $500 car that put you put $100 worth of work into that you sell for $1,000. And then you just keep scaling it up, you know, and even things like Craigslist and none of this stuff existed, man. So the, the ability to make money is there for the people that that's a goal. But I would say my, my North star, the thing that for me has been the most impactful in my life would be not needing money. Mm -hmm. You know, that is what's so crazy <laughs> because once you actually don't have to wake up, clock in, and work to pay your bills, and once you have the ability to really, truly choose what you work on, that's when it gets really good, man. Because if you still have needs, right, you can't ever focus on the the wants, yeah. you know? And even sometimes with, you know, with my family or with, with my wife even, they they sort of wonder like what, like you can't just work on stuff. You're love. That's not how it works. You can't just only do stuff. That's fun. Yeah. You know, like that's not how the world works. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try because if I work on the right stuff, I, I can keep that Zen that I've been able to create for myself. But you take on one wrong client, you take on one wrong speaking tour agreement. You know, you take on one, influencer partnership that goes south for something even out of your control like it it can go a little haywire so i would just say um yeah i i hope that makes sense like for me um i'm i, I think i'm different in the sense that i'm more blindly optimistic than most people and i think it's good to have that conservative voice and to have somebody kind of bring you back down to earth a little bit but uh i'm okay with them not doing that. Like, I, I think that that's where you win, yeah. you know? And so anyway, I just, at the point that I, you know, finally got out of debt, finally paid off my freaking student loans. Finally, my, got my 520 credit score to be 800. Finally, you know, got the six months of emergency money saved up. Like finally got a college fund for my kids. Finally, 
got a you know investment account and started actually making real money investing, not savings account investing. Yeah. You know, that stuff's great, you know, and it's amazing. So I would just say, I would probably be willing to do shit that I hate to get to that point as fast as possible so that I could then do shit that I love. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think that would be probably the only thing I would disagree on with some of maybe some of the stuff Gary says, I, and he did it too. Yeah. Like he worked the liquor store, he worked the stock room. So, you know, he, he did it. So he, he definitely believes in it, but I would, I would be willing to do whatever it took and anything necessary to get to that positive cash flow monthly without working. And, you know, most people listening, that would be through real estate. Uh, but for a lot of people listening and, and by the way, if you go back to living kind of humbly and not being totally materialistic and driven by financial gain, like when I bought my Bronco, I just bought it, you know, like I don't want a $1,500 a month Tesla payment. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, like uh, I spent 15 years getting rid of all this crazy debt. Like, you know, so I, I think if you can figure out a way to be super happy around maybe 5k per month mm -hmm. then i think it becomes like okay so 5k well that's 1250 a week you know 1250 a week is less than 200 a day you know and then i start going well there's 24 hours so like i just got to figure out a way to like make 10 dollars an hour every second of every day yeah. and then like i can you know get out of the machine you know, I can take the red pill, right? Um, so anyway, I, I would say have a big, hairy, audacious goal. You know, if you want a yacht or a mansion, or if you want to be a millionaire, if you want to be a hundred millionaire, whatever your, you know, number is that you sort of have as a goal, that's fine. It's great to have that. Uh, but at the same time, that micro goal in the grand scheme of life is more important of, you know, basically passive income is what I'm explaining. Absolutely. We, I think the, the, like you said there, when you break it down into what it would be per day, instead of focusing on what you want per year or, mm -hmm. or like the, the base, what everyone wants looks for is like oh, a million dollars a year. Right. But when you really break it down, like most people don't mean a million dollars a year, firstly. And secondly, when you break say a hundred thousand dollars, a uh, year, I'm, it's like hundred or something a, a day, and it's like, mm -hmm. just like you said, you can flip a couple of things, and you've done it. You've well, literally the, done and it. And by the way, the same way it feels really unattainable, it also, by the way, feels like not very much when you do attain it, because if you have thirty to forty percent taxes coming out, and then if you have, you know, a, a decent apartment and a decent car and maybe a kid or two, like you ain't balling. You know, and you what, and you definitely are not stacking. That's the thing. You can get real nice monthly cash flow and put a little bit to the side, but even at that ten thousand a month, man, and I, I know that might sound crazy to people, but you know, you take the ten, you take four thousand away for taxes, or six left. Yeah. You have a wife that doesn't work. Now it's the equivalent of two people that make three grand. Is that balling? people wouldn't say that was balling. So, you know, that would be another reason, 
you know, why I think you kind of should make money somewhat of a goal is only because you're going to need more than you think you do. And Absolutely. then also <laughs> when you do get a lot, you're going to even want way more than that. You know, you're going to always want to move that target. Yeah. I think that the, it's the hedonic treadmill. You're always going to, you set a goal. And then when you reach the goal, you, after a couple months, it gets ordinary. And then you set mm -hmm. another goal and then it gets ordinary. And it just, it's, it's, you continue down that rabbit hole. And yeah. I was real quick. The thing you picked up on, I don't want to forget this thought. You, I, I call it reduce it to the ridiculous. That, that has always been so something much. that sticks. So yeah. it's like, if I want to, if, if I look at Quicken Loans or Rocket Mortgage, I go in there and I'm in sales and I look at their comp plan and I see, you know, that at 15 loans, you know, closed for the month, the super kicker, you know, takes effect. Well, I, I you know, yeah, I want to make 15K, but I, I, that's just not a real goal, you know, so what I end up having to do is just kind of break it down and break it down and break it down and figure it out. And what it, what it basically came down to was a deal a day because you'd have to do 20 deals to get 15 to close and there's 20 weekdays and you could easily get a deal a day if you just went in and hustled and focused and, you know, we're, we're pretty good at it. You know, you could get a deal a day. So, and then to get that deal in the day, it was typically 60 to 80 dials for somebody that was pretty good, might be 100, 120. So then it's kind of like, okay, well, there's 60 dials that usually leads to like five good conversations. And mm -hmm. then of those five good conversations, two of them sort of go the distance. And then one of them signs and sends it back. Yeah. So it's just like, the thing that I always thought of, at least, I never really thought about total dials or total talk time. I, they just always would tell us, how many meaningful conversations did you have today? Yeah. And I would just always think of that because what, what would happen would be you would start to realize really early in a call when you were on the phone with someone where that was going to be how it unfolded. Yeah. And you just get really dialed in to like, you know, you have to maybe call like 67 people before the person even answers. So like at the point that they want to talk with you, you're like, oh, thank God, I got someone to talk to. You know, it's been like maybe 90 minutes of just dial, 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 nothing, nothing, voicemail, voicemail, you know, and then and you got you got a live one, right? It's like fishing, like everybody get over here, you know, grab a rod, help me, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> That's crazy that you say that because I've spoken reduced to the ridiculous. It's something I talk about with my clients. I talk about that so much because mm -hmm. it's like procrastination is something I speak a lot about and because we, we just put off our goals further and further in the, the actions we have to take to get there. Reduced to the ridiculous is exactly what I speak about. I, those exact words too. It's crazy that you say yeah. that, but uh, you well, reduce somebody, to the ridiculous. probably someone else's thing that we're both it probably speaking. Is. <laughs> it probably is. You, you reduce it to the ridiculous because then it doesn't seem nearly as scary and you can just take action. And I know something you spoke about. I, I listened to a podcast of it and it was focus on actions, not feelings. Don't yep. judge how you feel when you wake up, but judge it after your morning routine. <laughs> and I absolutely love that that mentality because a lot of people, you know, they, they wake up, they don't feel completely aligned with their day. They don't feel motivated. And so they write off the rest of their day. Mm -hmm. But why not write it off after? you take some action because the action is what's going to actually create momentum. And that, that leads into more action. Yeah. And even back, you know, I've always, there's a, my co-founder at my company, Jimmy, he's a great guy, Jimmy Mack, and, and he's the CEO now. And he told me about this story and it was uh, JP Morgan. Yeah. 
And the, the story has it that a homeless man came up to him <coughs> and said, I can teach you the key to life. Yeah. You gotta give me two thousand bucks or something, right? Five hundred bucks, whatever. It was back in yeah. the early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, and you know, he said, "All right, go for it." And he basically said, "Write down what you need to do. Do it." <laughs> and like, I I can't tell you, like, I have an app on my phone that I use called Any Do, Any Dot Do. I love it. And I'm going to swipe one off just so I can see the number. Because uh, it tracks, you know, everyone you've ever swiped off, basically. Let's see. I think I've actually checked off 2,900 to-dos. And just, just in this one app that I use. And so I'm religious about just make a plan do it. You know, for me, even back to kind of bringing it all full circle, I'm going to go to Florida state and graduate and I'm going to become a self-made millionaire. Like go do it. You know, I'm going to be an actor, go do it, you know? And that's why, you know, ideally people choose things that, uh, if possible, they enjoy because you know, the, doing the work, like I, I always try to explain to people when you never get in the game, you have to tell people about how important practice is. Okay? Yeah. So I used to try to tell people, like, you should see these practices, you know, be <laughs> a practice. I'm yeah. killing it. But the reality is between call it practice and weightlifting and mm. travel and pregame meal and like, and halftime, like, there's so much more time not playing a game, actually. <laughs> like like the, the the sort of 60 minutes that the game unfolds in is a blessing. Mm -hmm. that, that That's the fun part. But that's not the real part, you know? And so for me, again, I loved basketball. So for me to get to play basketball every single day with world-class athletes, that was like, that was winning, Yeah, you know, getting in the game wasn't winning. And even on the, uh, you know, athletic athleticism side, you know, even the weightlifting and cardio, like I've never been great at that because I, I just loved basketball, but I'll play basketball for six straight hours, you know? And like, I'm pretty sure that burns calories too, but yeah. <laughs> you know, so anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't even know if that makes any sense, but no, I think it does. Yeah, I, and I'm and I'm glad you said that too, because like I, I think something that is is not touched on enough, but like you said there, it's like this sounds stupid, but mm -hmm. the the basketball burns calories, but it's like whatever's more fun, mm -hmm. you're you're gonna stick to it longer. Yeah. And, and, Sustainability. Well, you have to trick your brain, which is what you were saying earlier. You trick your brain into focusing on actions. And so, you know, something as simple as how do you grow your business and, and make lots of money? You keep it simple. You write things down and you do them, you know, but it's ironically great mental health advice too. How do you kind of get out of a depression or, you know, even just being really down? Yeah you know, you write down a list of stuff and you do it. 
and then again, the, the, the sort of the hindsight test, right? Like after the walk that is five miles, how you feeling, you know, um, after the 30 minutes of video games, after the, whatever it is, like, you know, even if it's eating, I'm okay with that, whatever it is, you know what I mean? But like, and obviously you have to be careful with all of those things going overboard too, but just, yeah. Um, it's just a mental check-in with yourself, you know, and I have very real mental health issues and I do not have all the answers and no one does. And it's, it's funny to hear people talk about it that sort of, you know, call it dabble in it <laughs> versus, yeah. you know, actually bipolar and that's sort of next level mental health problems. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, most people wake up grumpy, you know, most people aren't, you know, on cloud nine, 24 seven, you know, and I think at least, at least over the last few years, I think, especially with COVID people just became a little bit more comfortable being honest about that, you know, that like the whole, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And even you see on the tech side in my world, you know, better help and yeah. you know, lots of these startups emerging for on-demand therapy and uh, even for uh, on the medical side, you know, for the pharmaceuticals and, you know, good RX and hims and hers. And, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's an interesting thing, but the, the Zen learning and the takeaway is to get out of your feelings and to get into your to-do list and then to get back into your feelings when your to-do list is done. <laughs> is it, are there any, that, cause I think that's sort of something, that's something to touch on right there is depression, anxiety, something that I struggled with a lot growing up for sure. It was like in and outs and, and COVID was definitely a part of that was mm -hmm. where it's you're, you're isolated and it's really, it's even easier to get into that depressed state. What, is there any yeah. habits or routines that you always fall back on to kind of get you back into place, whether that's in some kind of action? Well, I will say with COVID, I would think like a lot of people, you know, there were Saturday Night Live skits about it. Like I, I, I went on so many walks, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the quickest answer I can give you, which is that working from home doesn't need to be working from home. So before COVID, we had an office and I was around all these awesome people that work for me. COVID, we shut it down. We didn't reopen it, you know, like a lot of people. And so I transitioned into working from home and I hated it. And everybody's talking about how great it is. And I hated it. I really missed having an office, the energy synergy. I'm a, I'm a passionate dynamic leader. And so being able to be in the room with my people was, was something I was missing greatly. And so, you know, I just, I basically just like, you know, I have a big house too. And I have a nice house, you know? So I felt bad. I'm like, there's people that bear, like this girl that worked for me, Jess, she's like, Chris, I'm in my freaking closet. Like, you know, like I'm in my closet cause that's the only place the Wi-Fi works good enough to, you know, so and she's in a, like an apartment in Boston, you know? And so I, I didn't want to be a Debbie Downer about it. Cause I have like five or six areas I could work from a beautiful backyard, but I just hated it. I hated being isolated. And so I stopped. I, I started go, I wake up every morning. Now I get up, I get up with my son at six 30. I just like I used to do when we had an office, I get ready. I do my little morning routine and I just drive to Starbucks 
and that's my new office. And there's people there, and Harry's there, my man behind the register, you know, and Emma, and you know, I kind of I don't really know because we don't chat that much because they're busy. But you know, it's for me. I needed there to be pheromones in the room with me. Yeah, I need like I'm weird, man. When I put on my when I'm home, I put on ambient sound. That's a coffee shop noise. When I'm working, because if I know the words, if I know the beat, if I know if it's a, if it's sports talk or something like that, I can't stay dialed in. So even when I'm home, I put on like busy Starbucks sound play. Yeah. I just sit here at work. Like that's my vibe. So anyway, that would be one thing I would say. And not everybody has the ability to work from anywhere. But for those of you that can work from home, you know, rethink the definition of that work from where you feel great and if that's around a lot of other people or if that's at the beach you know work from beach you know work from you know backyard work from pool you know like i think that's another thing that for a lot of people it is such a new reality of of sort of a zoom first workforce that it it took me a minute to be like oh i can just go anywhere I want. Like, I, I can drive to the beach. It's 45 minutes to Cocoa Beach. I can drive to the beach every morning, take me 45 minutes. There's no traffic that way either. And I could just sit on the pier every day and work. Mm-hmm. So once I kind of like thought through that, I realized like, okay, you know, I, even though I'm not going to reopen an office and even though I'm still going to miss my people, um, being around other human beings is critical that, you know, when you ask people that are old and, you know, dying, you know, if you, if you look at the ones that live the longest and that are the happiest, the, the number one factor they have in common is human interaction, you know, versus isolation. Um, so, yeah, man, this has been a fun interview. We talked about a lot. I, you know, you, normally people, we just talk about business and like TikTok tips and yeah. <laughs> marketing strategies. So it's fun to talk about some different stuff. Yeah. And I, and something that you said there and just to, I, I human caffeine was something I seen you talk about. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I really liked that analogy that you used because I'm the same way and you're not, I'll say you're not weird by any means by having stuff on and where it's in the background and, and <laughs> yeah. it's like ambience music. Cause I, I do it every single day. And I've noticed too, like all of my clients are online, so I'm never around many people. So I, I do the exact same thing. Yeah. It's, it's a habit that I, I definitely, I found really, really impactful for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last question I ask to, to every guest is something that I think is really, really empowering. And um, it's get a little vulnerable here is what belief are you currently unlearning? Mm. Hmm. What belief am I currently unlearning? Well, I'm unlearning that your kids are going to keep you up on Mount Rushmore forever. Um, there's a, there's a period of your life as a parent from, I would say 10 to 11, like zero to 11 or zero to 10, somewhere in there. And you know, you're everything to your kids and they're everything to you and you spend time with them and they give you so much gratitude and appreciation and you get a lot of your self-worth from it for a decade. And, and then they become 12 and 13 and it just is a 180. It, it actually doesn't matter how cool you were 
for those first 10 years, by the way, it, it, it doesn't matter how cool you are, you know, it's just a, a really hard period for kids is the, the sort of teenage years where there's a lot of angst and they're going through all these changes hormonally and they're incredibly influenced, you know, influenced by their friends and culture and the opinions of other people. And they're just starting to use social media. Like, and so the thing I'm having to unlearn is that my fulfillment can come from people that aren't me. I, I, I think I maybe fell into a little bit of a false sense of security that my self-worth could come from others. That's awesome. I think a lot of people resonate with that position as well. So I think that that that's why I ask that question often is that a lot of the time when we're trying to learn something new or we're trying to grow in some aspect of our life, it's mm -hmm. not that we have to add anything, but it's rather subtracting. And I think that subtracting those beliefs, the, the ideologies that hold us back in our life or, the, you know, decrease our happiness, our joy and our enjoyment mm -hmm. of the process, I think is if, if we're able to do it, I mean, the more we can take from other people that are where we'd like to be, I mean, we can succeed a whole lot faster. Mm -hmm. For those that would like to find you, your book, where where can they learn more about you and, and your book and everything? That yes, you have awesome. Well, hold it up, man. Hold it up high and proud <laughs> there. The conversion code, the easiest place is Amazon, Audible. You know, if people like eBooks or, uh, excuse me, audio books, it's eight hours and 45 minutes. You mentioned earlier, highly practical. Yeah. It, it's very much a choose your own adventure. It'd be like a podcast. You look at a podcast, you'd scroll through, you'd see a topic or a guest that looked interesting and you just jump right to that. You don't care if it's number one. Mm -hmm. Same thing with my book. If you want to learn YouTube, if you want to learn retargeting, if you need to learn sales, if you need to learn websites and blogging, what, whatever the sort of digital marketing or lead follow-up you know, tactic or tool is that you need the most help with, you can just go straight to that. So the conversioncode.com uh, and then on social in most places, I'm Chris underscore S M T H no I N Smith, uh, especially active on Instagram. Yes, sir. And I can definitely say we talked a lot about, you know, making money growing online and, and doing all the things that we can do. That book is something that, unlike most books, a lot of books, there's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot that you can take from that, but not really take action upon. Uh, mm -hmm. That's one book that you can jump to the first chapter, the second chapter, any chapter in the book, and you're taking something from it. And as we said, it's practical, but more so, there's no way that you can't succeed if you don't take action on what is in the book. So I absolutely recommend everyone to go check it out. And uh, I appreciate you. you on the show, my friend. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.